A reading from the fourth chapter of the epistle to the Ephesian church, beginning with verse 17. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're going to take another technology risk. Because I've learned something about joke telling. You want to hear what it is? Sometimes y'all don't get them. And it might be me. (laughs) Here's what I've learned about joke telling. When you hear somebody tell a joke and it's really, really, really good, you don't want to be the person to tell it next. You want to make sure that you have that person tell that joke, right? So I'm going to let Jerry Clower tell his own joke. Because Jerry Clower is much better at telling jokes than I am. And then we're going to talk about the point of it. That sound good? I'm going to press this play button and we're going to see what's happening. Is microphone 9 open, Mike? All right, here we go. New Gene Ledbetter would climb a tree to get to tell you a lie. When he could stand on the ground and tell you the truth. I mean, it got bad. 
the deacons in the church and the pastor of the church decided something needed to be done. New Gene's a great fella. He is. He's a pretty good old boy. But he just feels like he's got to lie all the time. The preacher said, listen, let's go over to New Gene Ledbetter's house, the deacons of the church and the preacher. Let's sit down and tell him the most bodacious, outlandish, damnable lie that's ever been told in the history of the world and sit down with a straight face and tell it to New Gene for the truth. And he'll see how ridiculous it is for good people to lie and maybe it'll help him stop lying. They said, all right, preacher, who's going to be the spokesman? Preacher said, I am. They went over to New Gene Ledbetter's house, knocked on the door. New Gene said, glad to see you. Come in and sit down. Preacher said, New Gene, would you believe at last Lord's Day while I was preaching and the Spirit of the Lord was moving, the back door of the church opened and down the aisle of the church was a big old, huge, vicious brindle-colored grizzly bear, and right behind him, chasing him, was a little old bitty black and white fast dog. And that bear squatted right by the Lord's supper table, right in front of the pulpit. And that little old bitty black and white fast dog jumped on him, and they commenced to fight him. Oh, they wallowed down the first eight rows of pews in the church. Women are fainting. Hair is flying. Fur is flying. Oh, they was fighting. You ain't never seen such a vicious fight. And when the fur quit flying and the hair quit flying, that little old bitty small black and white fast dog had completely whooped that big vicious brittle colored grizzly bear and not only whooped him but consumed him said, New Gene, you believe that? New Gene said, heck yeah, I believe it. That was my dog. <laughs> no, wait a minute, Clyde. I'm about to talk about how that's bad. You ever known somebody that would climb a tree to tell a lie where they can stand on the ground and tell the truth? I think most people are kind of like that at some point. At some point, we want to cover up our reality so bad that we won't admit it, even when admitting it might be the pathway to freedom. And that, that's the human condition in a nutshell. That is the sinful condition. We won't admit we need a Savior. I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. If I had a nickel for every time I heard a human being say that, I'd have at least $20. I'm a good person. But you know, if you really break it down and test ourselves against Christ, we don't stack up too good. And Jesus came to show us what true humanity really is. And so Paul is calling us to a different tune, a different level of life, a life that's not laying around in the midst of lies and talking about how great we are and over-exaggerating ourselves, but a life that's lived in the truth that's in Jesus. Did you catch that? He said, truth is in Jesus. 
Jesus is not separable from truth. Jesus himself said, I am truth. Remember that? I'm the way, I am truth, and I am life. Truth. We take on lie because we're more comfortable with lies sometimes than we are with truth because truth can cost us something, whether it's face or having to take care of somebody. Remember that story when Cain killed his brother? Remember that? Do you remember that moment of grace before it happened when God came to Cain and said, Cain, sin is crouching at your door and it's seeking to devour you, but you must master it. God came to Cain and spoke truth into Cain's life, and it angered Cain all the more. And so he killed his brother. And he took hold of the lie that if he could kill his brother, then he would be elevated above his brother. And human beings have been doing that to each other ever since. We tell lies about people, even if it's just a half-truth or a white lie. We tell something about our enemy to break them down. That's what every campaign commercial you've ever seen is about, right? Somehow trying to break down another human being to make ourselves look better. That is not how we learned Christ, Paul would tell us. But how did we learn Christ? We learned Christ as the one who broke himself down to lift us up. Poor new Gene. All he wants is to look good, right? And he hears about this awesome dog and says, Dang right, that's my dog. Heck yeah, that's my dog. And who of us wouldn't claim that story for ourselves? Any chance we get to lift ourselves up and make ourselves look better. But you know what? That's not what a world that needs to know the truth needs to hear from us. A world that needs to know the truth needs to hear from us, I was broken. And I've been made okay. I was blind, but now I see. I was a wretch, but now I'm saved. I was hurt, but now I'm alive. I was dead, but I've been raised in Christ. They don't need to hear from us that we had it all together so we could come to church and be amidst the holy people. They need to hear from us that we're all broken and fighting through life together and clinging to the robe of Christ to get there. But if we're afraid of truth, we can't tell them that. And we'll just keep looking like a castle on a hill that they're not welcome in. And we'll be like that church that told my friend, when you get cleaned up, we'll be here for you. I used that example enough that you probably knew it was coming. But that's a reality. A person who's now a pastor because he finally found a church that would admit that they were broken and that they were all sinners learning how to be saints with Christ together. And they would receive him even though he didn't look like them, didn't live like them, and hadn't lived like them, didn't think like them. But you know what happened to him? He became tuned to the same Christ that they loved. And he changed. But if people believe... People believe what we put out there about ourselves, about how perfect our lives are and how great we are because we know Jesus, then it sounds like there's no room here for them. Truth-telling is important to living the life that Christ calls us to live. 
Last week I told you that the song we're called to sing is one of humility and gentleness, of peace, and bearing with one another in love. Patience. That's what Paul said it looks like. That's the life that is worthy of our calling. Our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ. And the next thing he wants to say to us is it's got to be coupled with truthfulness. We can't exchange the truth for a lie. We can't be out in the world living as if we don't need Jesus and then come here and act like we need Jesus. Because people see through that. And they don't believe it's authentic. And we lose our witness. Truthfulness is key. Some of you have probably heard of a fellow named George Carlin. That ring a bell? George Carlin was a he was kind of a vulgar comedian, but he had a lot of deep honesty in his comedy. And he said this, I think this is extremely true. He said, by and large, language is a tool for covering the truth. Language is a tool for concealing the truth. Somebody says, oh, you're one of those Christians. Yeah, 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 but I'm not like one of those Christians. I'm not one of those that thinks you have to come to church or you got to do this or you got to do that. Somebody accuses us of being a Jesus freak and we cower and want to hide our thoughts. Sometimes we're like Peter sitting out by the campfire swearing that we don't know him. But that's not how we learned Christ. We learned of one who wasn't ashamed of going outside the camp, of bearing the scorn of the cross for us. We learned of one who wasn't ashamed of admitting our sin himself and taking it on himself and bearing it on himself in his own nakedness as he was nailed to a tree outside the capital city of his nation. As people mocked and laughed at him, he bore our shame in love. And if we're not willing to bear His shame, the shame of being His followers, then no amount of being a good person can do us a lick of good. Because we're nothing but liars. We can say that this truth about Jesus can change people's lives. But if we're not telling people that, we don't really believe it. I don't see how that's possible. I went and saw that new shark movie. Anybody go see it this weekend? The Meg thing? Big two-mile-long shark eating people? I kept thinking, did nobody tell these people about the movie Jaws? Have you ever noticed how when a new movie comes out, new restaurant opens? I remember when that legal remedy place opened downtown. That's all I heard people talking about for a month was legal remedy, legal remedy this. I decided I wasn't going because I was tired of hearing about it already. What if Christians were so excited about the truth of Jesus that we talked about Jesus as much as we talk about TV shows and restaurants and movies? Would the world be different? Would things be different? Paul's writing to a church that is somehow taking on a lie. 
We're not sure what it was. You know, some people have said they were starting to believe the Gnostic idea that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Some people have said they were trying to just keep on living whatever lifestyle they had led before. I'm not certain, but Paul wants to remind them that there's truth in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And that we don't speak that truth to belittle other people or make other people look worse than we are, make them feel bad. We share that truth with people because it's the truth that changes our lives. It's the truth that makes truth. It's the truth that gives us a sense of truth of self, that we need a Savior. It's the truth that allows us to come to God in the first place. Because Christ is truth. And we can't come to Him believing the lie that we don't need Him. It's all about truth. Everything we do is about truth. And if it's not about truth, we will be found out. If we don't really believe it, people around us will know. So I asked you before, are you still in love with Him? And you said yes. We sang a song saying that we adore Him. And the question comes in, do we adore Him enough? Do we adore Him enough to imitate Him? To speak truth even when it's hard. And even when the truth is about ourselves, about something we've done. Most people have no trouble being truthful about somebody else's mistakes or faults, right? It's our own mistakes and faults that we have a hard time being truthful for. But this guy named Thomas Merton taught us that there's an inner self in us. There's a self in us that doesn't compensate. There's a self in us. It's called the soul, but he called it the inner self. And the soul knows what we are. The soul knows that we need Christ. The soul knows that we're not better than our neighbor, that we don't know more, that we don't have a better grip on the truth or honesty or anything else. The soul knows that we need Jesus just to live. This is an invitation to take off the old denial the old lie that we're perfect and we don't need a Savior and let it die. It's an invitation to take off the old self that craves everything in the world and will tell whatever lie we have to tell to get it and to put on the new self that Christ offers us, which is a life lived in truth. And that's what Jesus meant when He said the truth will set you free. Not just telling the truth, but imitating truth. Living a life that demonstrates the love of God in the world. Because the truth of Christ, Paul later says, is that He died for us. The truth of Christ, the truth that is in Christ is this. Live in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's a deep challenge to live in that kind of truth that shows the world that God isn't ready to just sit over the world in judgment and condemn the world from afar, but that God came into the world to save the world by being here with us in our mess and our muck. How dare the church stand over the world and act like we get to condemn it? Because the truth is, God waded into it and loved it. 
So we kind of have a choice. We can keep living in a lie and hide away from the world and enter our little sanctuary and pretend that it's their problem if they don't show up. Or we can live in truth and go out and tell people the truth. Speak the truth in love. Tell people Christ died for you. Paul's not just talking about telling your parents the truth or your children the truth. He's talking about telling the truth of Christ. That God physically came into the world and died and was raised so that we could have life too. And that's what we're being tuned to. That truth. To be a people who are willing to lay down ourselves and not accept the world's lie of scarcity. That this life is all there is. That newspaper article I was talking about, if you haven't read it, you need to. It's on the front page of the Herald. The problem that it brings up, I believe, is rooted in the thought that the church has forgotten resurrection. That the church has let the world convince us that all that matters is this life and getting everything we can out of it, having everything we can out of it, having every penny we can earn, having everything we can amass for ourselves, every square inch of property, every square inch of hope, getting it all for ourselves and storing it up for ourselves. But that's a lie of scarcity that began in Egypt. The truth of God is that there's enough. There's enough hope. There's enough love. There's enough joy. There's enough mystery in life. And there's resurrection. And that we don't have to be afraid to lay this life down for others. We can live for others as Christ lived for us. We can imitate God. We can live as God lived amongst us, putting others first and serving others and not putting ourselves first. We can do that. That is the truth. That is the Christ we have learned. It is the Christ we know. It is the Christ who came to us. It is the Christ who lived in front of us, the Christ who died in front of us, and the Christ who has been raised for us. But the lie says we can't do it. The lie says we're afraid to do it. The lie says it will cost us something, so we shouldn't do it. The lie says our lives might not be as luxurious anymore. But I don't want to be like New Gene, do you? I don't want to spend my life climbing trees telling lies. To have more and more of this world. I want to give my life to the truth. That Christ is all there is. And that a life of love is all that matters. I think that's the challenge that's before us in this text. Will we accept the truth that what this life is really about is imitating God in the world? Imitating Jesus in the world? 
imitating the Holy Spirit in the world. Living as Christ lived. Giving ourselves up for others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.